Welcome to Living Fullness, a podcast where you're invited to walk with two unusual friends through the ups and downs of the art of friendship. My name is Stina Constantine. My name is Father Sean Burns, and together we explore what it takes to grow real, satisfying friendships, the joys and challenges we face along the way, and of course, becoming a good friend ourselves. We hope by sharing our learning and experiences, this podcast will serve you in living your life to the full. And welcome back to yet another episode of Living Fullness. We are excited, as always, to have you here with us. Whether you're listening through your earpiece in your car or in your home, you are most welcome. We have a rather special guest here today, Padre. We do, we do. It's 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 a pleasure to to welcome and introduce the the Bishop of uh, Wagga Wagga, uh, our Bishop. And uh, uh, Bishop was uh, he was consecrated a bishop in 2014. Uh, December the 17th, December 2000, the 17th, 2014. 7.30pm. So. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, uh, and you were consecrated Bishop of, uh, of Auxiliary Bishop of Melbourne. Uh, and then and actually the Bishop of Garba. And the Bishop, oh, that's right, because every Auxiliary Bishop needs a diocese. Yeah, so I, have a, yeah. I had a diocese, some, some ancient diocese in Africa, in Libya, which... Uh, is mostly covered in sand and got a little bit of stone <laughs> okay. sticking out, and that's right. Garba. That was your that was your your diocese that you were in charge of. Okay, all right. And uh, so, from two thousand and fourteen, were you in, were you asked to look after any particular part of Melbourne or? Uh, Melbourne divides itself into four parts, mm-hmm. north, south, east and west. And so I was bishop of the east of Melbourne for about fifteen months, and then the bishop in the west for about three years. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, and uh, so. The, uh, and then in 2020, uh, Pope Francis called you to Wagga Wagga. Uh, Not directly. Yes. yes. Not directly. No, I, got, I, got a, I got a phone call from the nuncio and, um, and, and the nuncio uh, said to me, uh, so the last time I spoke to a nuncio was when I became a bishop. So uh, I, figured, I figured on the phone. So I figured that something was happening and uh, the, the nuncio rang me and uh, and I was expecting him to say that Pope Francis would like you to go to Port Piri because right. that had been vacant for a while. Um, and I, he said, uh, the Holy Father would like you to go to Wagga Wagga. And I said, oh, just let me sit down for a minute because that <laughs> came as a total surprise. Sure, sure, okay. Well, we're really, really grateful that you said yes, Bishop. Uh, so thank you. Um, Bishop... What does your day look like? I get up at about six o'clock and uh, and uh, there's seven o'clock mass in the cathedral. Then I walk for about an hour, 40 minutes to an hour, um, uh, breakfast, and then into the office. Right. And, um, so an office day largely has meetings. So, you know, mm. everybody says, can I have a... 10-minute meeting with the bishop, but there is no such thing as a 10-minute meeting. They all go for an hour. Yes, yeah, sure. So, so we I think I've been guilty of that. <laughs> so, so about uh, about four meetings and and answering emails, and um, that'll often look what the day's like. And then I'd like to finish the day with um, prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a late dinner in the house, dinner's at 7. Then maybe at 8 o'clock I maybe walk for an hour or ring some people and yep. it's time to go to bed. Time to go to bed, yeah. right. So that's right. a weekday. Um, weekends look like 
being on the road. So I, mm. I, um, it's my aim to visit every, no, not to visit, to say mass in every Sunday mass centre in the diocese. Um, and I'm a fair way round. I'm a fair way mm. round. Nice. There's a couple still to come, but uh, just working my way round the around the different parishes. That's fantastic. Yeah, beautiful. Wow, that sounds quite full on, which which I guess is what's expected with. With a bishop's day, but yes, I th- I've come to the understanding that bishops that bishops are supposed to be like Vegemite. You spread them thinly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, what does a bishop do then to to relax and unwind? I well, my walking is important mm. to me. Um, uh, phoning family and friends, um, mm. and the highlight of my relaxation is playing bridge. So oh, bridge, oh, okay. bridge, bridge is a card game. It comes from uh, the same family as euchre, five hundred, um, solo. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all come from a from a game called auction whist, and uh, um, it's my. Oh, I'd love to play three times a week, but I probably <laughs> play. I probably when when my life's in order, I'm probably playing once a week. When it's not in oh, order, I'm bad. probably playing. Once every three weeks. Okay. That's not bad. All right. I know some very competitive players who would give you a go. So oh, very good. <laughs> when, when you're ready, Bishop. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily good, but I'm competitive. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing for a sheep playing station. For then, it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> then it'll be fun. That's awesome. Very cool. Bishop, do you mind if we have a chat a bit about your your history and your life journey? I suppose with the faith. You know where you. Did, were you raised a Catholic? Were you always surrounded by the Christian faith? And how did your vocation story sort of come about? So I've got a uh, Dutch Catholic mother and an Australian Anglican father. Um, my father is one of those rare Anglicans who goes to Mass every Sunday. Oh. So, it, And that was actually really important to me because mm. that let me know that being a male and being a practising Christian was... You know, it was acceptable, it was a doable thing, it was fine. Mm. Mum was a really loyal daughter of the church, went to Mass every Sunday. She didn't take us to church until we turned eight. Okay. So, so when you turned eight, mm. and, yep, you have to go to Mass now. And um, I still remember my brother's first Sunday Mass, so he had this little Mass book that he was following and we were in the cathedral in Darwin at the time and um, uh, it got to the end and the um, and the priest has gone. Um, uh, go the mass has ended, and he's jumped into the aisle with a big star jump, going, <laughs> "Thanks, Peter, God!" <laughs> and raced out the aisle, <laughs> while my mother and I just squirmed and disappeared <laughs> under the seat. <laughs> That's wonderful. So you have to, you should bring your children to mass before they can read. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. What was it about the age of eight? I don't know. Maybe she thought it was the age of reason or okay, something. Right. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Sure. So, so mum and dad, because they, one was Anglican, one was Catholic. Um, mm. So, uh, mum would come to church, and dad would look after the children at home. Mm. And then, when mum got home, then dad would go to church, and mum would look after the wow. kids. Nice, nice. Yeah. Dad worked for an oil company, so we moved around a lot. He met mum in Holland, um, getting North Sea oil experience, and <laughs> he's not a great romantic. Uh, my dad is a wonderful man, but not a romantic. He'd never said to mum, I love you or will you marry me? He said, how'd you like to go to Venezuela? <laughs> <laughs> that was a marriage proposal <laughs> uh, uh, in those days. Um, and then uh, uh, 
I was born in Indonesia, as was my my the next brother down. Then my sister was born in Adelaide, a brother born in Darwin, mm-hmm. um, and high schooling in Melbourne. And in Melbourne, um, I went to Mazenod College, which is run by the Oblates of Mary Immaculate, and it's a big part of my vocation mm. story. So um, Pat Maroney, who'd who just finished the year before I started, so when I started year seven, he'd left the college in when I was in year six. Um, and uh, but but the story was out in the school community that he'd gone to Indonesia as a missionary, and so that was in my head. You know, the Oblates missionaries go to Indonesia, which of course is where I come from. Yes. Uh, which mm. in like in every year, you know what you're going to do next year. Like in year nine, you're going to do year ten. Well, um, form three, form four, as it mm. was in those days. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But when you get to year twelve, actually, you've got to make a decision. Mm. And uh, I still remember. My decision moment was filling in the VCAT form, so the um, the tertiary admissions form for Victoria, the, and I was filling in the subjects that, that I would be doing. And I remember thinking that I'd enjoyed my time at Masnod College. I thought it was really good. Um, if Masnod was going to continue, there should be some priests to do it, and priests had to join the Oblates if there was going to be priests to do that. And, and I was aware of all the work that they did. Like I knew they were in parishes, they had foreign missions, they ran schools. And I knew I wanted to be a missionary. In particular, mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Indonesia. And I said to God, look, I'll join the Oblates and I'll go to Indonesia. And that means that one of the people who otherwise would have gone to Indonesia will be free to come to Masnod. And uh, so, you know, how's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, later on, I realised, so at the time I just thought, oh, okay, now I know what I want to do with my life. Later on, I realised that God let me see what I was passionate about. Mm. He let me see what my vocation was, the mm. dream that he'd put into my life long before I ever knew that it was there. I didn't tell anybody at the time. At the end of the year, I went to the school principal, who was a, an oblate priest, and told him. And, uh, and he took me to the seminary and introduced me to the people at the seminary. I never told my father. I told my mum. I told my mum. Okay. Oh, mum, okay. I'm thinking that I'd be a priest, and and she said, "Okay, as long as as long as it makes you happy." And um, and she told dad for me. Uh, <laughs> the uh, she was really keen that I finish a degree. Okay. Uh, mm. So I went to I went to the seminary, and the um, they said, "Well, look, we've just started this new system where when somebody comes to us, they they don't join straight away, but they have a year. We call it um, postulancy, mm. where they stay in contact with us, like they live here for half the year or a third of the year and they get a job or they go to uni or something like that. I'd had a part-time job and I knew I didn't want to do more of that. Uh. So <laughs> I said, I'll go to uni. Um, and then, um, so so that day back in the middle of the year when I was putting down my uni courses, I put down the courses in the order that I wanted to do them mm. rather than the order of difficulty to get into. Sure. So at the top of the list, the one I most wanted to do was science at Monash because mm-hmm. Monash was just down the mm. road. And the next one was science at Melbourne, then it was medicine at Monash, then it was medicine <laughs> at Melbourne. And I, I missed out on medicine at Monash by like that oh. much. But no, 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 I didn't want to do it. But, uh, you know, but it's, uh, I'm pleased I didn't put it at the yeah. top. It might have been dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I'm pleased I put it at the top what I wanted. Mm. Um, so I went to Monash and I did uh, a science degree um, and I came back at the um, – I almost failed my first year at Monash. Um, I played bridge. 
I probably played between 20 and 40 hours a week of bridge <gasps> a week. Wow. For two-thirds of the year. And then in the last, in the third term, I went to the seminary, like to keep the contact of the seminary, and I studied my little bottom <laughs> off. <laughs> and, um, and, and I passed. Uh, but I went from getting, you know, like 78, 80, 82 to getting 56, 58, mm. 59, mm. you know, right, 60. Right. So um, I, loved, uh, I loved my time at Monash. Um, the next year I, I picked up cricket and football as well as my bridge. Um, but I also was a bit more um, disciplined with ongoing study. Um, but my the next two years at Monash were really a story of working my way back up to credits and sure, distinctions because sure. uh, you can't go from fifty to eighty. You've got to go. Got to work your way. You've got to go through sixty mm. and seventy yeah, on the way for there. Sure. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah. Um, so then I then I joined the seminary at the end of my time at university, having kept in contact with them, and at the end of my ordination, I. Oh, you get to write to the Superior General. So I wrote to um, the Superior General in Rome and said, um, I'd like to go to Indonesia as a missionary, but Indonesia falls under the Australian province, so if you assign me to Australia, that'd be really cool. And so I got a, an assignment to Australia. And the um, the Australians obviously didn't read the, my letter. They just saw his letter. And they said, look, uh, we think that for your first posting, probably schools would be good and we're going to send you to Masnod. So here's this guy who wanted oh. to be a foreign missionary <laughs> going back to the school he came from. But um, and, and I thought I'd be terrible because I didn't think I'd be a very good teacher. Oh. But, you know, God knows better than yeah. me. Just, like, yeah. I've discovered that a few times since, but that was a real awakening. And um, so he was this person who wanted to be a missionary, being mm. a teacher in the school that he came from. And then after three years there, I, I was sent to Brisbane and I was a, a teacher at a Catholic boys' high school in Brisbane called Iona, and uh, yeah, I learnt a lot about. I learnt a lot about myself and a lot about how to be a priest. Interestingly, I think becoming a bishop, although at the time I was really sad when I became a bishop, um, I've actually quite enjoyed being a bishop, which is a surprise. I, I didn't think that would be the case, but um, but one of the things that makes it meaningful for me is that. Being a bishop is a great way to be a missionary. Mm. Mm. So it's sort of like sure. some, oh, somewhere buried yeah. in that original <laughs> dream, God yeah. was already working on me. Yeah, how beautiful. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and for our listeners, can I, can I urge you to look at your dreams? Mm. It's like, um, and I'm not particularly talking about priesthood vocations, I'm talking about your call from God which might be to be a teacher, it might be to be a mum or a dad. In fact, could easily be to be, uh, you know, a dad and a teacher or a mum and a businesswoman or like because God puts these things together and calls us to something. But to recognise the dream and then to do something to make the dream come true. So like, mm. you know, if your dream is to be a spaceman, like, you know, find out what spacemen do and... Start doing it, mm. you know, like, mm. and then and then what what will happen is if it really is a dream for you, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy doing the preparatory work and the ongoing work. Um, but sometimes the, the dream that we think is our dream is actually a dream for someone else, mm. and that's if you do it and you go, you know what, I, actually I don't like this. That's a sign 
that it's a dream for someone else and mm. not a dream for you. For sure. Go back and look for the dream that God gave you. Mm. For sure. Mm. For sure. That's really wise too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it was just beautiful to see, as you said, Bishop, it was beautiful to see how God has moved in your life to be able to go from that initial desire mm. that was there that perhaps you didn't recognise at first, but then sort of became unlocked, but then took you down a path that you didn't didn't anticipate and here you are again as as a bishop and as you said almost living a, a missionary kind of life well uh, to be to be christian is to be missionary yes. i did I, probably my understanding of missionary has grown a lot too okay sure. but um but but being a bishop captures a lot of what my original thing around mission was like, for sure yeah. for sure bishop you've 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 had nearly a year in the diocese. What is it, nine months, ten months? Nine and a half months. <laughs> nine and a half months. So okay. it was the 22nd of July. Uh, in, in that nine and a half, look, uh, how have you found the diocese so far? It's been great. I've loved being here. Um, it's faithful. It's um, committed. Like, well, the, the diocese. The people in the diocese mm. love sure. Jesus. They're faithful. They're committed. They, they, they want the best for the people of Australia for their own families um, mm. Mm. and and to just be with so many people who want the best for the church is just great. We don't always have the same picture of what the best for the church is, so we're in mm. different places that way. Sure. But um, I think that that's actually just that our visions are too small. Somehow, somehow we've got to put all those visions together to get a bigger picture mm. and God's sure. in that. Mm. Sure, sure. Mm. So Bishop... If there was one aspect that you could name, uh, what would it, what would that aspect be in terms of of living a, a full life? What would be necessary? An aspect necessary for living a, a a full life, or living life to the full. Loving. So, so it's a personal answer. Sure. This, yeah. this, is, sure. this isn't sure. a theoretical no, no. answer. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I, at different times in my life, I've worked quite hard. Uh, I'm thinking particularly when I was a school principal in Queensland and, you know, extended days and the coaching footy teams, teaching maths classes, making decisions, writing letters, talking to people. And and it just came to feel like I was a machine. Mm. Like it was just dry as. It was so it was so not enough. Mm. It was just not enough. And and when I stopped and looked back it was, you know what? I'm dealing with people all the time, but it's not as friends. And you need the nourishment of friendship. And that means that sometimes, you know, you've got to put aside things that you feel should be done because, uh, you know, in terms of work, if, we, if we're just machines, then you can just do work. Mm. But yeah. the minute, yeah. because we're not just machines, no. we can't just do work. We've actually got to do other stuff as well. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. and that, that relationship then is uh, it's relationship with people, but also it's relationship with God. That, that's that's a really important part of it as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. In in your opinion, um, what might be some steps that someone might be able to take to be able to move in that direction? For say someone who does find themselves, you know, almost in a in a workaholic kind of a um, a space because culture demands that we be people who are constantly producing things. Um, what might be something that someone can do? Make contact. Um, pick up the phone, ring somebody, mm. um, and mm. and just chat to them, and and then do it again. Well, depends, you know, you know, do do it again, but perhaps to other people, and and make sure you cycle back. Mm. So, 
And then you'll find that some people it's easier to talk with than others and those people maybe you cycle back to weekly mm. uh, or, you, or you start going, you know, like maybe you go and watch the footy with them or something yeah. like that. Mm. But yeah. um, you've, it's a, it comes to a, down to a decision, make contact. Mm. It's, it's really simple. Mm. And, then, and then the first time you talk, you know, maybe it'll be about your work or maybe it'll be about the footy or maybe it'll be about – but as time goes on, you can talk a little bit about um, something a little bit more personal. You can talk about your family and their family, yeah. and when appropriately, you can actually be vulnerable and talk about yourself mm. and yeah. say, "This happened to me, and I feel." Mm. At that stage, you're really starting to to be in the friendship mode. I think, yeah, mm. yeah, more, beyond acquaintance into mm. friendship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When you sure. can be in a place where you can be a bit more vulnerable, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think being I think being vulnerable is what's required for friendship, and absolutely. and the gospel for this Sunday, Jesus does just that. Yeah, he goes into he goes into Thomas, and he doesn't yeah. show him his glory. Yeah, put your put your hands here. Yeah, yeah come and feel yeah. the wounds. Yeah, um, and yeah. and sometimes we've got to say that to the mm. people appropriately to yeah. the people we know. You know, like for example. If it's something really big, you know, um, like you were abused as a child or something, that you wouldn't lead with that on the first time you spoke to them. But um, sure. But but if they were to become a close friend at some stage, that would be something that you'd have to appropriately share with them, mm. so that they know who you are. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's a really awesome analogy to draw between the um, uh, the gospel. That's that's. <laughs> I think you've just helped me with my homily preparation <laughs> oh. for Sunday, Bishop. <laughs> Well, and 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 the hand that to put your fingers in the hands is one thing, but how about put your hand Ooh, in the hole in the side? In the side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. that's really yeah. intimate. Yeah, and and in there's where the heart is. Yeah, yeah. come and touch my heart. Yeah, come and yeah. touch my heart. That's mm. maybe that's the the sharing. Mm. 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 Beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah. This next question, I suppose, comes back to to friendship and to a, a reoccurring theme on this podcast where. We've asked the question, can men and women be friends? And so I guess the, the question sort of swung back in, in your direction, Bishop. What do you think of me, male and female friendships? You know, Do you think it's possible? Uh, thank you. Did you ever see a movie called When Harry Met Sally? <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've heard of it. <laughs> seen it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that puts us in a. Um, that puts us in. Did, did you Did you see it in the cinemas or did you see it on video? I saw it on video. Okay. It, does, it, it doesn't quite put us <laughs> in the same generation, Bishop. <laughs> I, I saw it in the cinemas. Um, but uh, yes, um, yes. The question that Sally asks Harry is: Do you think men and women can be friends, or does the sex thing get in the yeah. way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Um, yeah. Uh, the answer is yes. Men and women can be friends, and and I need women friends. I need lots of women friends, as, as well as lots of male friends. And I think every couple does. You know, like mm. a, a man and a wife, if they try to provide all of their relationship needs for each other, this is going to go very, very badly. Yeah. Um. You need um. You need other couples. So so you need to meet. In appropriate ways with people, you know, mm. like I, mm. I wouldn't go visiting houses and stay with, you know, single women or even married women on their own with the husband not there. Um, mm. I'd be seeing them in a coffee shop, or I'd be, um, or I'd be meeting them in a group. You know, you've, you yeah. know, the boundaries need to be right, mm. and, and they need to yeah. be appropriate. 
But I share things. To, I share different things with women than I share with men, mm. and I share in a different way. And I need to do that sharing. That's otherwise yeah. it's back to being a machine again, or at least mm. half machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, so yes, men and women can be friends, and you need friends of the opposite sex, and and you need to do it the right way because you can actually destroy the relationship. So. You know, can men and women be friends or does the sex thing get in the way? Can I just say, if the sex thing happens inappropriately, it actually gets in the way. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because, for if, sure. Um, you know, if, I, if I'm really good friends with, you know, Lady X and then X and I were to be sexually inappropriate, they'd, all of a sudden there'd be a, a fracture in our relationship, mm. a, a, yeah. a, a mm. gap, a barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a betrayal. Yeah. That's a betrayal of our friendship. That's so. That's not how friendship is. Ex- so, that sort of giving of ourselves belongs in a special relationship, a relationship where you say, "I'm giving myself completely to this person, yeah, and unconditionally, and it's for all of our lives." That's where that, and and without that, it actually breaks relationships. So, so yeah. I think, I fear that. In our culture, people think that it's a shortcut to imp- intimacy. Yeah, but it's yeah. not. I would agree. Yeah. It, physical mm-hmm. intimacy isn't intimacy. No, uh, no. intimacy no. is about emotions. Mm. Um, uh, my friend Heather, who's um, chaplain to a university college in Melbourne, tells me that a number of people in her university college would describe themselves as polyamorous. And I go, polyamorous? Like, I get what the word means, but really? Mm. Yeah. She said, like, get, they're in a group, they're in a friendship group, and they sleep within the group. Like, mm. um, and I'm just thinking to myself, well, that is such an unhealthy group. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And there's probably yeah. people listening to us who don't think that, but, sure. but can I just say that in my experience, it's, it doesn't take the relationship forward. Mm. Um, I understand from my married friends that sex is fun, that sex is a way of of saying and expressing that you're giving yourself to each other, but to just have it as fun and not have it as that I'm giving it myself yeah. to you, you're, you're actually, it's actually, I don't think it's going to work for you. No, no, mm. it, it, it introduces a, a really a utilitarian or a using idea into a, into a relationship where someone is just a source of even if that's not the intention, because I, I don't think anybody's that callous that that's the intention that, 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 that they would start with. But the end result kind of winds up being that fracturedness that you were talking about before. Because instead of treating someone like someone, I've, I've treated them as a means to an end. And treating them as someone means sharing who I am as a person with them and hearing who they are as a person. Yeah. yeah and that's... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's so much. It's so much more. And if you can't sustain a friendship without getting involved genitally, I think you're not going to have many friends. No, well, no. That's, and that's, you're certainly yeah, not going to have yeah. any long-term yeah. deep mm-hmm. friends. Yeah, that's 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 mm-hmm. that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's this 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 is this is true. Yeah. So there's a skill to be had here. The skill mm-hmm. of relationship definitely. and definitely yeah. and boundaries, as you said before, mm-hmm. Bishop. Of of, I think being able to recognise that. One of the things that we've spoken about on the podcast is that boundaries are often looked at as a bad thing in the sense that if you have to put boundaries around something, mm-hmm. then is it actually good to have the thing at all? 
you know, isn't it a sign that if you've got to have boundaries that the thing can't exist? We would say no, no, that's not it at all. The fact that boundaries exist is not a sign that it can't exist. It's a sign that, that it can exist with boundaries to protect, with boundaries to guide. Mm. Uh, so so some, some things know. are really precious. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. That's, that's right. Exactly. Good fences make good neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, look, th- Bishop, thank you very much mm. for that. That that's those those reflections. Um, I think a really brilliant summary of of yes, it can, and here's where it can go wrong if it's not treated with that preciousness that, that it should be. Yeah. In some ways, perhaps what we're saying to people is you're even more important to me than a sexual encounter with yeah. you. Yes. And, and, yeah, spot on. And, and I don't want to lose that. Yeah. That's, spot on. That's, yes. that's what that little fence is I about. Think that's, that's, that's right. Yep, exactly that's right. right. Mm. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. To shift gears a little bit, Bishop, your relationship with Christ, um, if you were to sort of say what um, the, the, the greatest lesson, I guess, that you've learned from, from your relationship with Jesus at this time in your life, what would that be? That that it's safe to trust yourself to him. Um, so I'd, I had a an experience in France praying in Taizé and I wanted to give my whole heart to Jesus. But, you know, like if I give you everything, Jesus, what will be left for me? Uh, you know, like uh, and, and I just became aware of Jesus' presence accepting what I could give. He would. He didn't rip anything out of my hands. Whatever I could give was fine. And I also became aware that if I needed to pull back at any stage, mm. if I got scared, that was going to be fine with him. He'd let me pull back. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so do not be afraid of giving yourself to Jesus. That would be the experience that I've had, mm. that the, the core experience that I've had with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and if you were to sort of name a a season, as it were, of the your relationship with him, sort of a that of trust or hope, or where do you see God? Or what do you see him calling you to at the moment? Uh, sort of a, a what challenge do you see him calling to you at the moment? He's calling me to come deeper, to take another step, and he's making it really easy for me. Um, he's uh, he's being very gentle. If I have thirty rooms, you know, if my life has thirty rooms and I've given him twenty-seven, he's, <laughs> he's going. Come on, I want to live in the other three. I want the other three as well. I made the other three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and 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 yeah, it's it's mine to give or not. Um, but the uh, but what I know is what I know and believe is. When I give him my heart, he gives me his. Mm. So mm. that's a pretty fair swap. Yeah. <laughs> He'll give me all 30 rooms it's of his heart sweet, as well. Isn't it? Well, he's probably got 100,000 rooms <laughs> of his heart as well. It's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, Bishop, if there was, uh, is there anything that you would like people, particularly young people, uh, to know at this time? Words of encouragement or anything that might be on your heart? I'm deeply moved by the words which I think originally were John Paul but have also been used by Pope Francis and Pope Benedict. Don't be afraid to be a saint. Open wide the doors to the Saviour. 
being a saint is, um, you know, it's not a plaster cast good thing. It's it's actually be a real person who's generous, who's loving, who's forgiving, mm. who makes mistakes, but who who has a a laser like focus on on Jesus and loving people and loving Jesus. Um, that's that's what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about being a saint. Brilliant. Mm. Right. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. To be uh, sometimes I th- we probably put sanctity or, or, or sort of holiness in a category of unreachableness. Uh, that you know, it's 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 something that we can't attain to. But that's that's not the, that's it's not the message Jesus gives us. You know, no, it's, it's, can can I can I give a message about prayer? Go for it. Okay. Go for it. Go for yeah, it. Yes. <laughs> I, I reckon that many of us when we pray. We put on a mask to God. Mm-hmm. We put mm-hmm. on a, like the you know the um. So it's almost like if I'm going into a church or into a chapel, but it could be in your own private prayer as well. So I go into the church. I leave um, the bits of me that are angry, the bits of me that are upset, the bits of me that are envious. I leave them at the door and I go inside and I just say, "Jesus, all these good bits," and say, "Here you are, Jesus. I love you." Well, you know what? That's not real love. That's mm. not very. That's yeah. pretty shallow. You know, really, I have to go in there with. With my hurt, with my envy, with my jealousy, with my, um, with my anger, and pray out of the anger, pray out of the jealousy, and pray out of the hurt, and that's real prayer. That's mm-hmm. that's then being real. Mm. Whereas yeah. the other stuff, the cardboard cutout, that's <laughs> yeah. not that's not yeah, real that's, prayer. That's, that's right. That's right. No, that's the that's, that's the psalms you're talking about right there, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Not the hallmark psalms, but the not the but hallmark, the, but, the, but, the Bi- <laughs> but the Bible psalms. <laughs> The hallmark psalms. Nice. The hallmark ones are yeah. just like they just take all the nice <laughs> that's, that's right. bits all about the, all the all the nice bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah but but yeah. the psalms have the bit about oh, I want to take his children and smash their head on <laughs> the rock. You know, like you know, <laughs> right. we never do that. That's no, not what we do. No, that's but right. but I can feel like that. Moment, I can yeah, feel really exactly. really angry at exactly. someone. Absolutely, yeah. the emotions yeah. are very real, and we can't just we can't push them aside. That yeah, you know, again, that makes us into machines. You leave your emotions behind. Yeah, what are you? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yep, spot on, mm. spot on. Bishop, thank you for your time with us today. Uh, it's been wonderful mm. to, to have this, this very short time with you, but uh, I think so much has been covered and you've you've said so much to, to think on and dwell on. And I hope our, 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 I'm sure that our listeners have, have been able to uh, pick up some of the gems that you've dropped for us today. Mm. So thank you. Very grateful. As a way of closing? Yeah, we might do a, a quick fun round, if that's all right with you, Bishop. Okay. <laughs> that's an okay with a question mark, isn't it? That's an okay with a question we'll, mark, yeah. We'll ask a few rapid-fire questions and okay. just give us the first thing that come to mind. Okay. Yep. All right, first one, tea or coffee? Tea. Coffee is the devil's drink. <laughs> <laughs> it flatters only to deceive. It smells so good and it tastes rubbish. It's true. I agree with you. <laughs> uh, introvert or extrovert? I always thought I was an introvert, but how can anybody who needs attention be an introvert? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an extrovert. Fair enough. Honest sure. answer. Sure, yep. <laughs> Favourite movie or book? It's a book, the uh, the trilogy of Lord of the Rings. Oh. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Padre had bets on a different book. <laughs> I, had, I had bets on a different book. I did. Uh, I, I, oh, 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 sorry. Are we going fiction? I can go non-fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Nonfiction. I would. My favourite would be Charles Taylor's A Secular Age. There you would go. That, would that, 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 that would have been. So, so you come. So you come second by a short nose. I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. 
<laughs> I'm really glad oh. we didn't shake on that bet. That was. Uh, <laughs> I should have. Uh, Charles Taylor. Charles Taylor's book is really insightful about what our world is like today, and that's oh. why I love it. I, I would actually, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think okay. he's a as a sociologist, he's a brilliant diagnostician. Uh, he gives a very, very good explanation. Uh, of, of what the situation is. Yep, yep. Had, had yeah. His his way forward is very vague and, you know, he doesn't claim to give a way sure, forward. Sure, sure. But he wants to explain where we are and how we got here. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. Yeah. In in almost eight hundred pages, he does that very well. Yeah, it, it was a, it, it was a slow read for me, I have to admit. It took me a while. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, watching or playing sport? Playing. Playing? A particular fan of any sport? If I... If God came down to me and said, you can be world-class at one sport, I would choose cricket. Cricket. Ooh, uh, All, right. All right. Yeah. Good the, job. I love, the, love I love the individual context, mm. individual contest in a team context idea. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Right. Mm. Cool. Mm. Cool. And just as a by the by, my nephew is vice captain of Holland. Oh, national see, okay. Teams. <laughs> All right. Damn. Right. <laughs> That's where the Dutch grandmother gets <laughs> you. <laughs> wow, okay. There's a little gene in there. All right, yeah. You're trapped on a desert island, Bishop, and you only have three things. What would they be? A two-way radio? <laughs> <laughs> um, a flare? <laughs> and, and a blanket. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Eminently practical. We like it. Um, uh, who was your first childhood best friend and, and how old were you? My brother. So we moved Aww. around a lot um, and uh, dad working for an oil company. And so Keith and I, Keith was my first best friend. Um, That's awesome. And probably I'd date that from when I was maybe nine and he's mm. maybe mm. seven. Mm. He, we used, amongst other things, we made a billy cart and we would go around Darwin collecting Coke bottles, empty Coke bottles to cash them in, get the deposit to buy a real Coke bottle with Coke oh. in it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, Keith's, Keith's a wonderful person. Oh, that's beautiful. That is brilliant. What's your favourite quality in friends? I'm attracted by humour and laughter, but I think loyalty and caring would, mm-hmm. you know, like it's fine to be attracted. It's like mm. the moth comes to the light. <laughs> but when you get sure. to the light, you want to find something. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that determination that they're going to be there for you. Mm. Yeah. What's one thing people misunderstand about you? People think I'm much holier than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm all. I don't think I'm super holy. In fact, I, you know, I'm doing what I can, but I don't think mm. I'm all very good at it. But lots of people think that because you're a bishop, you're a saint. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> sure. 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 Your life gets turned into a biography. What would be the title of your biography? Bricks I have dropped. Oh. <laughs> You know, like, so when you do something embarrassing, that's dropping a brick. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've got some wonderful embarrassing moments. Oh. That's, that's we could great. do a whole podcast on one of those. <laughs> we'll have you back then, we'll have you back. <laughs> Did you actually have to think about that? Did no, that just come no, to you? No. Or is that something no, pre-thought? No, no, I've, I've, my, one of my friends is already writing Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Every time that's I meet brilliant. him, he says, what have you done now? That's brilliant. <laughs> and my title for his biography is... He meant well. <laughs> <laughs> he meant well. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh. All right, and uh, last one. What inspires you and makes you feel like your best self? Being with people 
who are sharing deeply about their relationship with Jesus is that's 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 a highlight for me, mm. yeah, and it does help me to be my best self. Awesome. Yeah. So we all need church, yeah. you know. Like like <laughs> even the bishops need church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep, exactly. Bishop, thank you so much for your time here today. I know you've got a hundred million things to do and you've made time for Stina, us. Stina, Father Burns, it's been a joy to be with you. It's been lots of fun. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much, Bishop. Thank you. And thank you to all of you who've been listening or watching on our YouTube channel. We hope that you've enjoyed having Bishop here with us as much as we have. Yes. And have loved getting to, to know you a bit more as well. If there's a question that you wish we had have asked our Bishop, make sure you send that question in either on our Facebook group, Living Fullness, or on our Instagram page, also Living Fullness. Or you can put your comments, your questions in the box below the video. Or if you know us, come and talk to us in person. But as always, we will see you next time. And until then, know about love and praise. God bless.